Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm here with Andre Simone. And uh, we're going to tell you guys about the draft, but first we're going to tell you about Manscaped because it is incredible. If you have hair on your body, then odds are you should be trimming that hair. You got to keep it it's true. tight and short and that way like you, it's, it's for cleanliness, you know, and also yeah. other whatever other motives you may have. Um the best way to do that is to go to manscaped.com because you can save 20% off your entire purchase. Whether you want the lawnmower 3.0, the best trimmer you'll find with the LED light. Um, you want some ball deodorant. These are trying times. This I is like the time. Suggest. Yes. Yes. Um, or, uh, you know, any of their many products that you could want. Um, Right, Again, get the boxers, get the toiletry kit. Uh, uh-huh. You know, there's some packages where you can get all of this stuff we've mentioned in one, like we did. Yep. Um, so yeah, man, it's a great place to shop, support them because they support us. And uh, yeah. DNVR 20, 20% off your purchase, plus that gets you free shipping. So that's a huge saving. Take Beautiful. advantage. Okay. Um, today we are talking about... Uh, the secondary we're going to run through a bunch of our favorite prospects in the secondary but before we get into that uh there are a couple more newsy notes that we wanted to get to first we did our first dnvr draft today um where dre and i as well as zach stevens and ryan konigsberg and andrew mason all from the dnvr broncos podcast Mm -hmm. got together on a zoom call we periscoped it so everybody could watch live and we just ran through the first 15 picks of the draft I had picks three, eight, and 13, I believe. I think I did all right. Um, but it got into a weird situation. Let's start here. The Broncos at number 15 had the option to take Mackay Becton and Mace opted for Denzel Mims. What do you think of that, Dre? And then the guys justified it by saying, well, you don't... <laughs> You don't want the fourth best player at any position, but then they were cool with the fifth best receiver or the fourth <laughs> best. You know, I would have taken Justin Jefferson over Mims, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm team Mims all day, every day. We're splitting hairs, but Jefferson with that versatility maybe fits even even better because you can plug him in at the slot. Um, yeah, and the fact that Becton even fell was intriguing. Um, they were really low on Becton. Very low on Becton and very high on Andrew Thomas, who went just a pick ahead. Mm-hmm. And they acted like that was uh, devastating, which, hey, I love Andrew Thomas. But it's really, 
you know, and we've, we've also launched the DMVR guide and that you can see that in our menu under Broncos, all the draft content in one place. On top of that, you have our guide with the graphics and scout reports for our top 11. That'll be updated periodically every Monday. Then we'll have another scouting reports for all Broncos specific targets. So I'm really excited about that in that. Mikai Becton debuted as the ninth prospect on our board and the top offensive tackle for me. And it's a common when, – when tied, Ty always goes to the higher upside guy. Mm-hmm. And Becton here is the highest upside guy. You cannot teach that size. You cannot teach the feet at that size. Um, and his conditioning's gotten a lot better. The only thing is his balance. He's so high that – He's, he really needs to engage his lower half. He's got to get that good knee bend, and he's got to stay balanced, right? He can't lean too far forward or too far backward. Guess what? That's the same problem Andrew Thomas has is that balance where he can reach a little, then he gets thrown off balance, and he gets himself in trouble. Um, so in that tie, Becton wins because he's got the higher upside because those feet and that length allows him to recover better. And I get he's not going to be a natural fit if you want to do a lot of zone stuff. But, boy, he fits. I mean, when you see him having to do more of that wide zone kind of stuff at Louisville, he does it beautifully. He plays really well with his hand in the dirt. And, you know, in a more spread attack that Becton was in, he didn't have as many chances to do that. But when he's got that hand in the dirt, then his lower half is engaged more. He is able to win with more leverage. And when this guy's got his lower half engaged, forget it. Because he just touches you. He's, he's blowing you over. Um, so, yeah, I would not poo-poo a Becton selection in the slightest. To me, that would be a, a dream scenario almost. And I know the guys portrayed it as a nightmare scenario. So. Yeah, well, and, and I think Mace's biggest complaint was his size, which seems like right. a lot of the appeal. You know, at, at the Combine, Makai Becton measured in at six foot seven and three eighths at 364 pounds. And, and he saw that as uh, arm length was 35 and 5 eighths with I mean, an 83 and 2 eighths wingspan. Mammoth, guys. Mammoth. Yeah. And, and Mace said he doesn't think that body can hold up over the course of whether it's one season or maybe he just has a shorter career because of the pressure that puts on. But, but that kind of, I mean, you, you see it a little bit, but at the same time, he he's a guy who's probably ready to play day one has massive upside because of the athleticism and because right. of the size. Like right. you could be looking at a guy who's just the clear cut best left tackle in the NFL from his third year in the league through his 15th year in the league, 12th year in the league, right? Or with a short career, even this, his seventh year in the league. And you got quite a bit out of him. Right. Totally. Totally. So I wouldn't be against that, but it was interesting to get the guy's input because, you know, we're so, you know, we talk year round with each other. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the norm to you and I, and we've been talking about Becton since like November, once his stock started to rise, it seems like commonplace, but to other people and they're talking to each other and they're kind of feeding into each other's, but right. So we've all got bias that we're like building up amongst our little groups. So it was interesting to see that again, though, I mean, Ninth Becton, 10th Wirfs, 12th Andrew Thomas, and uh, 14th Jedrick Wills. So, you know, you're splitting hairs between those guys, but uh, because we're splitting hairs, I wouldn't poo-poo the pick of any one of the four. Yeah, 
Yeah. And if you guys want to see more of these drafts, we're doing them every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. You can find them. Um, they'll be live as we're doing them at the uh, DNVR Broncos Twitter account. Yep. It was a lot of fun today. Um, well, it's going to keep being a lot of fun. I think part of the reason it's going to be fun is because Dre and I, like there are definitely a couple of differences that we have in terms of how we evaluate some of these guys. Oh, but sure. a lot of them we have talked through and we've kind of come to some sort of understanding. The Broncos guys could have some totally different takes than what we have. And, yep. and, and as we start to cross over with them a little bit more, I, I think there's going to be a lot of fun discussions coming out of Total. it. Total. Well, and this is happening in draft rooms too. You know, yeah, exactly what we're doing in our own little groups. The Colts and Broncos are doing where they're like mm -hmm. Colts have convinced themselves. These are their guys. And boy, we're going to be lucky if they fall. Well, the Broncos are going to be convinced of other guys, you know, and this is I mean, it's the beauty of it. And it's an imperfect science because it's humans evaluating humans and uh, human error is like baked into all that. So. And we might be doing it the exact same way that they're going to be doing it on draft day over these Zoom calls. Um, with the news coming out uh, in the last couple of days that none of the GMs and their staffs are going to be able to get together in person. Um, right. Instead, they're going to be all at their own homes, most likely, and right. on Zoom calls together. What What do you think of that uh, news? I know, I know a lot of people were concerned by it. Um, how big of a deal do you think that is, Dre? Not a huge deal, I'll consider. I mean, a lot of this is being done on the phones anyways, and there are chats that are being had with, with the team internally. Most of the talks should be had in these next couple weeks leading up. And you should have a plan in place to where once the chips start to fall, you basically know like, oh, yeah, we've played this scenario out. It's going to look like Beckton will be the highest guy on our board. That's fine. Let's take Beckton. But I know some of us weren't interested, you know, hey, Zach, our regional scout, you still don't like Beckton here? Why don't we have, uh, you know, Mace get on the phones with a couple teams, see what kind of interest there is to trading down if that's the scenario we get. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So, you know, that could be something. I, I, I think that this is definitely a big change in a lot of different ways. Um, I think that it makes things a lot harder on front offices, but because of the way it came about, I, I think that a lot of the challenges that this presents will be mitigated um, just because I think... Uh, a lot of those people have already gotten used to doing all of their work over Zoom. They've probably been doing this for the last two weeks at least. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like it's some last minute change, like, okay, we have to panic. How are we going to make sure everybody can see the draft right. board? Are we right. uploading a picture in here so we can all see it? Are we having a separate chat somewhere? We can be right. looking at that. Like there's physical right. materials that they have in the room that they want to be sharing. Right. And there's it that kind of stuff. It better not be like a, a shared Google Doc. That's where yeah. it gets yeah. interesting is we need more secure things than a shared google doc then maybe a zoom call and zooms you know been under fire for uh for the the being hacked and stuff and you mm -hmm. know if they're working from home and they don't do anything beyond their home wi-fi's then yeah you could have some technical problem so the logistics need to be you know if i'm the broncos i'm setting up internal servers at our employees houses mm -hmm. so they can't be hacked i'm trying to figure out ways to prevent Zoom from being hacked and, you know, all this, you know, instead of a shared Google Doc, what do we use so everyone can look at the board? 
and be on the same page, but it's in a secure site. Um, so, you know, that, but, that's where it gets interesting, but we really won't know how they'll go about it. Exactly. And I, and I think that, again, because there is so much notice, I mean, there's, there's still a couple of weeks until the draft. You can have your IT guys or whoever it is. I mean, the Broncos can find somebody on that staff who knows how to put all this together and make it pretty easy on them. Um, right. And they're all, everybody's pretty familiar with this sort of software and conducting business this way. So it's a change. Right. Things will be different because of it, but I, I don't think it'll be that big of a difference just right. because of the way everybody's kind of eased into this world. Exactly. Well, and you know, this is the other thing. Front offices are like you and I. They've been talking about this stuff year round. Yep. So they've already had a lot of these conversations internally. It's more a matter of finalizing things, dotting some I's, crossing some T's, making sure we're all on the same page and we're all ready to execute this game plan we have in place. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Um, I think we're going to talk about a bunch of the safeties and cornerbacks, but before we do, we want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery um, and in particular their farmhouse, which serves incredible food. It's not typical bar food, like brewery food. It's actually really nice. Very nice. um, Almost like upscale brewery. It's, it's a weird mix. Oh, not even almost. It's definitely like an upscale brewery type feel. They've got that smoker there that makes amazing food. Their apps were really out, you know, like cheese curds and, uh, cornbread with special jams and, you know, it's interesting. Like like fancy jams. Right. Right. It's, Right. I think it was like a jalapeno jam. I mean, half the menu was just like mouthwatering just from reading the descriptions. Yeah. It's incredible food, obviously incredible beer, and they will deliver both of those things to you. If you uh, hit them up, um, you can you can go to their website and find all of the information you could need, including where else you can find Breckenridge beers using their beer locator. Um, but... Uh, you can also call them directly. And if you do that, then uh, they can get your delivery all set up. They deliver from noon to eight every day. You can also yeah. use their curbside uh, pickup. Uh, if you use the code yeah. DNVR, then you can get $5 off your meal. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can go about this. Um, again, if you just call them at 303-803-1380, um, they'll set everything up for you. And you can yep. try the beers, try their food. They're great to us. And so we want to help them out because Big it's time. a tough time for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to give a quick shout out to MSU Denver online. Big time. This is a really cool thing. And they are uh, going to be very involved with all of our draft processes here at DNVR going forward. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so if you guys want to support us, support MSU Denver. So if you're into like me and Dre in particular, a way that you That's can right. the support draft coverage. Us, exactly. Yeah. Go to MSU Denver um, and, and look through the different things that you can do. I know we're all kind of like cooped up and looking for ways to entertain ourselves right. and stay active. Part of that's keeping your brain active. And they have so many online earning, learning yes. opportunities. So yes. if you're interested in going back to get a degree, um, you want to change fields, uh, you want to improve your resume, then that's a great way to do it. They have right. over 40 online or hybrid programs. Um, they have over 750 classes um, that, that are all online or hybrid. Yeah. Um, so, so I you know, know, 
some of us at the company during this time, um, like Ali, for example, was telling me she's been checking out some social media and marketing type courses they have. I'm really considering some analytics and statistics, even some accounting stuff, um, which would help me with some of the stuff I do on the job for DMVR. I noticed um, that they have a class called Adulthood and Aging. Ooh. And I figured well, you, that those could be some very useful life skills for me. You could use part one of that course. I, I, I know, seriously. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's great. Just go and check them out and see see what interests you there and you know what all the great courses they have. We're really pushing their online because it's so um, fitting right now. And yeah, whether you want to get a degree or just refine uh, some skills here and there for getting back in the professional realm, uh, I think it's a great way to go back. Or again, if you're just bored, I mean, they, they, there's a class called like 100,000 Years of War. That sounds incredible. Like just hearing about great. how wars have changed. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. There's, there's yeah. so many options. Um, hopefully you guys check them out because again, they are great, in particular to Dre and I. Um, yes, true. Also, it's a good school and all that. Uh, okay. Um, Oh, the, the website is msudenver.edu backslash online. I actually never know the difference between a slash and a backslash. I just know people always say backslash. Oh. So yeah, I guess I'm, that this is a back one. That uh, back, backslash front slashes give my dyslexia mega problems. So <laughs> You have uh, dyslexia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least that's what I was diagnosed <laughs> as a kid. Now we huh. think it was maybe a little language confusion, but stuff like that gives me, like, sends me bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh. The more you know. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, let's jump in to these positions. This will kind of be our last time. We, we talked about all the prospects based on where we expect to see them in the last couple of podcasts, where it's early in the draft, late in the draft. Um, now we want to talk about all the podcast or the prospects kind of by position, um, yeah. just how they stack up against each other. What makes some guys more interesting to the Broncos than the others? Um, and let's start with the cornerbacks. Um, and yeah. let's just start up at the top. You know, Jeffrey Okuda likely isn't an option for the Broncos, but shouldn't be. I mean, he if he were an option, he's kind of the perfect fit for the Broncos, right? I mean, in the way that he would pretty much be a perfect fit in any defense because he has all his own skills. He has all the man skills. Mm-hmm. He's just a very good athlete. You could throw him out there and he'll do what you need him to do. Yeah, he'll be... Um... I think the second highest corner I've ever had um, ahead of guys I loved like Jair Alexander, who's carved out a really nice career. He'd be right there with another Buckeye though, Marcus Lattimore, uh, because they both had just outstanding man cover skills and size. Um, Okuda really stands out for a guy as, as lanky as he is and as physical in coverage and that long speed, he really stands out on being able to be so sticky on those crossers, which of course are such a big, you know, if you're playing man, that's the beaters they're going to send your way are those crossers. You, you man coverage, you're going to try to go east and west on them and really... Um, there's just so much room to run. Like you're saying, exactly. I can beat... This receiver can beat this cornerback in a race. We can do that downfield. We can do that across the field. And if we do it across the field, that throws a lot easier. Right, because then you're also having to navigate through the traffic of other defenders getting through the on those crosses, right? Which is where yeah. they get so dangerous. Well, Okuda erases those like it was nothing. So fluid, really sticks with it. 
has that great reach to get around the ball if you're if you're trying to actually target him on those that's where he really stands out on top of having you know traits that you just can't teach and we're all projecting him more or less in the top five I think as we've said before the lowest he would drop is probably seven to the Carolina Panthers all right um who's your number two cornerback right Mm. now Boy, that's a million-dollar question because you have about five guys all grouped in that area. Um, I'm going Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Oh, and is that Um, second cornerback looking at it from a Broncos lens or just overall? In a sense, it's looking at it from a Broncos lens, right? Because I think for most people, it'd be C.J. Henderson. Yep. And we've talked about Henderson, how maybe the tackling physicality aspect of his game, which is, it's a weakness. It's not a strength, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's not as much of a weakness to be like Fangio wouldn't touch him. Uh, But at the same time, man, there's, there's some competitive edge stuff that's lacking. There's some uh, point of attack stuff that's lacking and press and that physicality. And what concerns me more than any of that, is how he handles uh, himself in the red zone or on, uh, you know, 50-50 balls in the air. I okay. need to see his eye discipline improve. I need to see his ability to play the ball improve because he's got that long speed, ran a four three nine, and he's got the fluidest of hips. He's a perfect man cornerback to put outside. You're just projecting because we got to refine these things. Um, and that's where Gladney, he's got plenty to refine too. But I like that physicality he plays with a bit more, that stickiness, that competitive edge he's got. He's a guy who, when I was interviewing Denzel Mims at the Senior Bowl, uh, he brought up as kind of the the toughest opponent he'd ever gone against. Um, There's just a lot to like in Gladney, who has that frame, has that speed on top of the other stuff I was talking about. Okay. Um, What about Christian Fulton? Right in the mix, and that's where kind of a tier within the tier, Fulton-C.J. Henderson's a fun debate um, because they're both kind of prototypical, longer man cornerbacks who you can stick outside. But for the Broncos, there are some real concerns about the tackling. Um, Fulton probably had more of a down year than Henderson did. Uh, and it's just, yeah, that tackling is concerning. Why did he not look as good in coverage. Why, why am I not seeing as much of that competitive edge from him? Um, you know, those are questions that really scare me off. So they're neck and neck, but both behind Gladney for me, just because I'm, I'm more willing to gamble on what Gladney brings to the table as far as that physical edge. Yeah. And I also know that, and this kind of surprised me, but, and we aren't huge on like the pro football focus stuff, but a lot of their stats have Christian Fulton, um, up at the very top, you know, uh-huh. they like his ability to uh, force incompletions. He, uh-huh. he leads the cornerbacks in that metric. Um, right. A lot of the downfield stuff. Um, when you get into their specific stats, it seems like he's just very consistently up at the top. And so if you're just looking at the stats, you might not realize he had a down year. What in particular about his year were you disappointed in? Isn't that interesting, though, because of all these guys – He's the only number two corner on his team. Yeah. Because he yeah. pretty quickly got supplanted by the freshman Stingley on LSU yep. as the second best corner, mm-hmm. which interestingly enough is what happened to oh God, uh, Greedy Williams last year on LSU. He gets supplanted by Christian Fult 
Um, oh. And Williams, of course, came into the season supposed to be a top 10 pick. He slides all the way to the second. The Browns picked him up. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how that happened because they played against a really good schedule. So if he's not getting beat that often, are we just poking, poking holes where, where they're not supposed to be? I mean, I still have concerns based off that tape, but I do like to take production into account with, uh, with DBs. We don't do that enough. And especially with corners, if you're not getting beat all that often, that's, I mean, that's a nice thing to have on your (laughs) record. It is. But I, I mean, he is working against number two receivers though. You know, if, if, or are they trying to stay away from their number one and go to Fulton's side because he's, so, you know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Defensive but, stats are weird. Yeah. They, well, that's the other thing. They're in the eye of the beholder. Yep. Uh, we should move along though. Um, how about, uh, Trayvon Diggs, he was yeah. a guy who there was some first round hype around mm-hmm. for quite a while, and now he's kind of mm-hmm. dropped off. But he's a guy who we identified as a, a potential first round target at some yes. point for the for the Broncos, just because he's so good in zone coverage. Comes from that Alabama defense. Yep. Um, why is he slipping? He's slipping. You're not seeing an otherworldly um, ball skills and playmaking ability. That's where he kind of leaves you wanting for more because he's got the size, he's got the physicality. What gives me a little, a little more reassurance with Diggs, though, than some of the more boomer bust guys. Like if Henderson or Fulton hit, they're going to hit. I'm going to look like an idiot for like knocking them. Mm-hmm. But if Diggs instead, I'm more, his floor is going to be higher because he's got that frame and physicality. He's going to be perfect in those Seattle-style cover three defenses. And there are so many of those in the league. San Francisco's running it. Atlanta's running it. Seattle, of course, is running it. By the way, all those teams need corners. Basically, the Jaguars are still running it since Gus Bradley's left. So you have a decent amount of teams in the league looking for corners like that. And, and the Broncos run something similar too. I mean, the difference a, a lot they of that at times. Seattle cover three. It's typically everybody just does the same job almost every play. It's just repeating the same right. thing. Like every your linebackers drop to these same zones, your corners drop to these same deep thirds. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many tweaks with Fangio. You see some switches, a little bit of some some details yes. that are different. You'll you'll throw some. It, interesting pressures things that you wouldn't expect Um, right and you'll see a little more cover too where those like mm -hmm. almost that carolina style where you want your corner to play that flat zone and really be reading the quarterback and pounce on the ball and be a good tackler and the seahawks and you'll see less press in denver under fangio while those seattle defenses they gotta be long because we're pressing the entire time yep and again that's throw off the timing of the offense you're looking for that Richard Sherman obviously yes, is the prototype exactly. for that. That's right. why the 49ers are now running that same thing with him. Uh, you look at Carolina, that's very much the like Josh Norman. You, you remember exactly. like um, Emmanuel Sanders, I think, and ha- had that beef with Josh Norman back in the day where Beckham Jr. did for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, where the I, real beef was. And I think, I think Emmanuel Sanders, I think he said something like, you know, I could teach my kid to play cover too. You know, because yeah, well, you're just taking I mean, away that little area right there on the boundary. But right. there's so that's much why like the Panthers didn't want to pay Norman. 
Yeah, but at the same time, he he was really good at baiting those throws, making it yes. look like that underneath is open. Exactly. Then just boom, he's up there getting the drop. Meanwhile, a guy like Richard Sherman who plays that deep third, he's using that range. He's just staying on top of him, staying in good coverage. Then you can just swat it right. away. Right, yeah. they're almost opposites. You mm-hmm. want length, length and physicality, and enough speed to to cover that deep zone. Cover two, you want quick twitch, ball skills, IQ, eyes on point. Yep. And with the Broncos mixing and matching, you kind of want someone who can fit a little bit of both, right? And when you're so looking to see more zone, but it's not just cover three, it's not just cover two. And when you're looking for somebody who can do both those things, which are, are there any of these cornerbacks who really stand out to you as guys who really fit well doing both of those things? Uh, Gladney. Gladney, I mean, that's probably part of why I'm high on Gladney, right? I could see him doing a little of both. Okay. Uh, IQ needs to sharpen up a little bit. Eyes need to be a little more, you know, a little more of a ball hawk on the ball. But, yeah, he would fit. Now, in this top tier, a lot of these guys, it's size, length, speed. And the rest, we're going to teach them up. We're going to coach them up. You go a little lower, Bryce Hall fits nicely in this kind of mm-hmm. Troy Pride Jr. fits nicely. Yep. Paulson Adebo, while he can be too aggressive, while he's maybe not that quick twitch or always that ball hawk, I see enough to where Adebo could be developed this way. Uh Um, Darnay Holmes, why do I like Darnay Holmes so much? I think he fits and could do a lot of these two things. Uh, Javaris Davis of Auburn, I mentioned him on on the last pod, the guy that plays opposite Noah I um, in Auburn's secondary on Auburn's corners. He's a guy I see a lot of that. Dane Jackson of Pittsburgh talked about him a little at the Senior Bowl. Would never be a starting three, but he'd be like your fourth cornerback. He could kind of fit and do some of this. So uh, Michael Oge definitely mm-hmm. fits. Um, so there you go. There's some names, and that's why in certain schemes you can get away with waiting on corners until the third round or later, because it's just a matter of. We don't need premium skills. We just need these skills. Can you do these two jobs for us? Right. And tackle. Right. Um, Here's an interesting name. This is a guy who I think we were pretty high on. Then he got torched in the national championship, really fell down the draft boards, and now is kind of working his way back up again. That's A.J. Terrell from Clemson. Um, Where do you stand on him? Well, it's so hard. Because then I, like, you know, I'm rewatching like Jedrick Wills against Clemson in the national championship the year prior. Mm. And Terrell stands out. And it's like, yeah, man, I mean, this guy's good. I can't just knock him off one game against the greatest passing offense in the history of college football. He's what, 21? Right. Where the first quarter, my notes say in that game, oh, Terrell's playing really well. (laughs) It's that then quarters two through three, he gets torched on two two bombs, and that's it. Yep. Um, and that's the thing about corners. Even Paulson Adebo, he gets killed by Gabe Davis in the UCF game, and we've been so low on him ever since. Yeah. Well, was that just one bad game? Because you can have one bad game. Especially, and, and for him, what, I th- was he a sophomore this year? I think. Adebo? Th- yeah, because he's going back to school next year. And and so he right. is like a really interesting prospect because he was the freshman All-American and then he gets 
cooked a couple times as his sophomore year. And so where do we stand on him? Do we think he's going to get back to that? Like, was he figured out? He's going to be a really fun one to watch because I could still see him being a top 10 pick or maybe he just keeps falling next year. Right. I don't know. Well, and Adibo did stay in school. Will, you know, would have Terrell benefited from going back, which would he could have. I don't know. I mean, there's some more guys. Let's talk about, uh, how about Jalen Johnson from Utah? You know, what's interesting talking about guys who are we overrating one bad performance went and rewatch that USC game. Cause when we were doing that, that week's pod, Michael uh, Pittman. He, yeah. Right. And I think Vaughn gave him trouble too. Tyler. Oh, Vaughn. Okay. Um, yeah. They allowed yeah. like two touchdowns or something. We were mm-hmm. really low on him and he never regained his stock in our eyes from that. I rewatched that game. And it was like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't great, but this isn't like, oh, you could never draft him. And he's another guy. He's got length. Uh, he, he, he could, he's, he'd be perfect in those cover three heavy schemes. Yep, and, he, and he's coming out of Utah. You know, yeah. that's a really good defense, mm-hmm. and he was a very important part. Um, you bet. You bet. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty high. I've got him right where I've got Terrell, kind of in that next group of corners. Okay. Um, Damon Arnett, the number two cornerback at Ohio State next to Okuda. Testing is going to hurt Arnett, which uh, in a scheme where you don't need that elite speed, you could take advantage of that because his feet look very smooth on tape. I'm, I'm not, he didn't need to run a 4-4 for me. If he ran a mid-4-5, that's just fine. I'm, I'm not too concerned. Um, and there's a second cornerback for you. I'd, I'd love to see the stats on him. Because, yeah. you know, he's playing opposite Okuda. So yep. how much – and he, he did well. He did well when, when he was tested. He, he handled himself well, and they had Sean Wade, another guy who's going to go pretty high in the 2021 draft. Um, so, no, Arnett I like because he, he checks off a lot of boxes. I think he can, ha- he can be had at least at pick 46. And he would mm-hmm. fit what the Broncos are looking for. And, and all these guys we've talked about so far, they're likely targets – in the first two days, you think, right? I, Maybe yes, absolutely. M- Michael O, you might be able to slip to the fourth round? Yes, yes. There's a couple guys I mentioned. Darnay um, Holmes? Yep, totally. Uh, that The other Auburn guy, Javaris Davis, Dane Jackson, definitely you're not picking him before the fifth <laughs> round. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So once we get a little later on, you, you can pick some more guys. Who are some of your day three guys that you like? A.J. Green of Oklahoma State. Um, okay. Now, that's more of like a, a Bosby replacement, right? I want a guy with length. I got an outside corner. I'm not looking for that uh, versatility and a guy who can play inside and outside for me. Um, I think Lavert Hill would be interesting of Michigan. We've, I feel like we've talked about him through the, through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a smaller cornerback uh, could fit. Was watching was watching some Michigan game a couple of days back, and he had a nice pick. Uh, maybe it was Ohio State, and um, you know Dane Jackson definitely fits that mold. <sighs> Lamar Jackson of Nebraska has all the tools you want, but when I watch the tape, I think he's garbage. But I know he's a name that people throw out. Kendall Vidor uh, from Georgia Southern, he did well in this process. Um, looked nice to me. I know some people are high on Trajan Br- Bandy of Miami. 
How about yeah, I mean, uh, Levante Taylor from Florida State? He's yeah. an interesting one to me because he uh, he played safety this year, mm-hmm. but he was a five-star cornerback prospect mm-hmm. um, and got hurt, kind of lost some of that athleticism. I think if, if you want to take a flyer on, the, on a guy really late in the draft, he might be somebody you look at and say, maybe he gets it back. And if he gets it back, then you could be getting a steal. And if he doesn't, then maybe you throw him in, in sub packages. Maybe exactly. he's a special teamer. And mm-hmm. you wasted a seventh-round pick, maybe a sixth-round pick on him. At worst, he's a versatile guy, and we can make that work in this scheme. Right? You can find him one job. You can You're find really, him third in longs. Right. You can throw him out there somewhere. Right. You're really hunting versatility in the secondary. We've seen that uh, mm-hmm. for Fanjo adding guys like Kareem Jackson um, and even Bryce Callahan, who can play inside, outside. Bouye has similar things. And then with the safeties, you're going to find some options where they're kind of hybrids. <gasps> they can line up outside, they can line up inside and not play just like conventional safeties. Yep. Um, just kind of summing up this whole conversation about the cornerbacks. Yeah. Um, to me, when I look at this board, I think that sweet spot is in that like early round three range, likely. Yes. Guys like Bryce Hall, Troy Pride Jr., Darnay Holmes, um, Cameron Dantzler, if he's still around. I, I, I really like that mm-hmm. little pocket of cornerbacks, and that's where if I'm the Broncos, I'm trying to snag one of those guys. As great as it would be to land a Trayvon Diggs, you probably have to do that with your 46th pick. And yes. I don't know that that's a good enough value to be taking him there. Meanwhile, those, those guys in the third round, Dantzler, Hall, Pride Jr., Darnay Holmes, that's where I am really focused in on cornerbacks. Great point. I think there's about 15 I'm projecting as future starters. That means top 100 grades on my big board. So if, say, tw- 10 to 12 go in the first two rounds – I'm really holding tight, seeing if that last four to five, if one of them one of them can drop to me in the third. And yeah, that would be guys like um, Dantzler and uh, Terrell, Jalen Johnson, Darnay Holmes, Michael Oge, Damon Arnett, Troy Pride Jr., mm-hmm. Bryce Hall. Holding tight that one of those guys could drop. Yep. Um, of that group, top two top two targets like my favorite target in round two my favorite target in round three. Oh, sure let's do that yeah favorite round two target i'm gonna go bryce hall shoot that's the thing i you think, think he's a little too rich though i do too i do too then again if we were going off the preseason grades he's perfect value there Yep. And, know, and the thing is, maybe this is a situation where the Broncos move down a little bit. Maybe. You know, we've talked right, about them trading right. up. Maybe, maybe in this scenario, if they, if they trade up to eight, they drop a third-round pick. Maybe they want to pick up another fourth-round pick and move down from 46 to 60. And, and maybe that's where you snag a Bryce Hall. Um, I'd love to move back into round two then. Mm, yeah. you know, there's, there's like a long wait from 46 to 88, is it? 77, maybe? There you go. Yeah. If I could, you know, move down from 46 to the mid 50s and then move back up into the top 60 and have two picks there, I'd really like that. Yep. And I think in, in that scenario, maybe, maybe that is kind of like the doomsday scenario we we're talking about today um, in that draft. Maybe, maybe that isn't uh, 
I mean, if, if, if you don't like anybody on the board at 15, you move back to say 23, still pick up somebody there, use that to turn one of your late third rounders into a second rounder Mm -hmm. and, and just load up on a little bit of more value there. Yeah, total. Not a bad way to go about. All right. Um, let's talk about these safeties up next. Um, This has been a weird group. You know, Grant Delpit coming into the season as a, a top five pick, almost a lock for top five pick. He might be a second round pick now. Meanwhile, Antoine Winfield from Minnesota, yeah. he he's skyrocketed from not even being a draft pick all the way up to, is he the best safety? He might be the best safety. Um, Jeremy not named Chin. Isaiah Simmons, at least. Yeah. Jeremy Chin from right. Southern Illinois. Right. He's just a freak breaking FCS football. Does that make him a second round pick, a first round pick, a yeah. fourth round pick? Nobody really knows. Um, Kyle Duggar, Lenore Rhine. Like <laughs> never heard of Lenore. Like you could you could gun to my head. I won't go I was about to go darker. No need to go darker. <laughs> gun, gun to my head, like recognize the Lenore Ryan logo on a helmet, I'd be dead. I'd be done. Yep. Some Pac twelve guys too. With I've scouted so many small school dudes too. Yeah, you have. I that was your thing. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's an interesting class, right? Then you get into um, the Kayvon Wallaces, the Julian Blackmans, the Burgess, the Davis. The Aloe Gilman from Aloe Notre Gilman, Dame. Tanner Muse. You have all these kind of hybrid guys. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of solid, solid safeties from really good programs, but not great. The J.R. Reeds, the Brandon Jones, the uh, Jordan Fuller, Shaheem Carters, uh, those yep. guys, Josh Medalist of uh, Michigan. All those guys are then that next tier. It's an intriguing group for sure, especially the guys who can play a little all over, um, which I feel like we've already mentioned a bunch. There are a lot of those guys. It's, it seems like it's virtually every every safety after the second round, it feels like is is a hybrid or it could be used as your dime linebacker, as your slot cornerback. Totally. And then that's one of the biggest pros of drafting one of these guys. It seems like pretty much everybody after the second round. Um, well, and even the guys who might go in the first round, Isaiah Simmons and Xavier McKinney, their appeal is how you can use them every which way. Yeah, and Xavier McKinney, he's a guy we haven't talked about much mm-hmm. at all on the draft podcast. I haven't even brought mm-hmm. him up in this conversation about safeties. Do you think that he's going first? It'll be right there, borderline. So he's um, the safety from Alabama. Yeah. What? What? Why would somebody want to get Xavier McKinney on their football team? Because of all the things he can do. All the roles he can cover in your back seven. He can cover the slot. He can play closer to the line of scrimmage. He can play as a, a deep safety. He can play a single high, uh, you know, uh, two high. He can, he can do a lot of things. And he's an, an odd evaluation because when you turn the tape on, there's a lot. He leaves you wanting for more in a lot of areas. But the more you watch, the more you see, man, this guy just plays everywhere. Um, he's a solid run defender. He's coming in and filling lanes. He's solid in coverage. He can be sticky. He's not getting burnt a lot. So while he's maybe not dynamic, he's, he's far from like Derwin James. This guy just is in the right spots at the right time, can fill a bunch of roles for you. He's definitely a starter in sub. 
Like if you're starting five DBs and you have Xavier McKinney on your roster, he's going to be one of those five guys on the field on third down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that alone that's a nice selling point you know yeah. uh, we're, we might not get that franchise player but we're getting a solid starter for the next four to five years I'll and 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 the difference between a guy like xavier mckinney who, who you say could be your nickel defensive back at worst right now you know a, a guy like tanner muse from clemson um he could also be your your nickel defensive back, but he really doesn't have much upside outside of that. You really can't do much else outside of put him in the box, um, right? Let let him play the slot, and you really wouldn't even want him in man coverage there. But you could put him in the zone, have a good tackler in that spot. You could put him as your dime linebacker, um, but you yes. aren't going to you aren't going to ask him to play deep. Whereas a guy like Xavier McKinney, you could have him play those roles as well. Great point. Yeah, Muse, it's more that hybrid ability that's going to that's gonna be his major appeal. Because um, mm-hmm. he's almost then, as much linebacker as he is safety. Oh, I think his appeal in the NFL is that he can play more like a linebacker than a safety. Yep. And I mean, shoot, that's the appeal of, of uh, Jeremy Chin. That's the appeal of Kyle Duggar. And that's almost the appeal of a Troy Dye as well a converted safety to linebacker. And, and I think Troy Dye and Tanner Muse and that crew, they have a lot more in common than maybe we're giving them credit for. hundred percent. I mean, Davion Taylor, that's the appeal for him. Mm -hmm. Akeem Davis Gaithers, that's the appeal for him. You know, all these guys, there's a good, there's a nice little group of maybe five to 10 dudes who can be that hybrid uh, linebacker safety for you. And then there's another group of guys who are more that Xavier McKinney mold, where it's not hybrid, but you can play a lot of roles in a in a secondary. Yep. I think that's where Kayvon Wallace super intrigued. Yep. Yeah, Kayvon Wallace is a guy who we got into. When was that? Was that with like December? I guess. And ever since then, yes. he's yes. he's been one of my core guys that I'm looking for as I'm going through a draft. Just because, again, yep. he's. He's not Xavier McKinney. He doesn't provide all those different aspects, and you don't expect him to be a plus player in a whole bunch of different roles. But right. when when you have so many third-round picks, those fourth-round picks, he's a guy who you could bring in and say, wow, day one, make him your fifth, sixth defensive back. He could be our Will Parks. Yeah, and I think by midseason, he could do everything that Will Parks did in that role. And be maybe better in coverage. Yeah, and I, and I think that long-term, you're expecting a guy like that to be better in coverage. And I think that's part of why you let a, a Will Parks go. Because, 100%. you know, as much as you'd like to not have to spend draft capital on filling a hole, you have a bunch of picks in this range, this three, four range, that those should be guys who can do everything that Will Parks did, maybe not day one, but midway through the season and then you have the upside and that's why you let a guy like will parks who developed into that role and it took a couple of years for him to be ready to fill that role i'm um, just let him walk and find somebody else right. and i love will parks but yeah no totally yeah and, and so i think those are the guys we're looking at um we should talk through a couple more of these guys how about antoine winfield jr oh man what a great player he looks um, like his dad he does in a lot of ways he's just so he does so smart like he just gets it 
I've got him listed as a DB too, just like Xavier McKinney. So he is kind of mm. your more conventional safety, that ball hawk. He'll be, he'll be perfect as a free safety. But he's a guy I can move around a lot. I'm not going to feel terrible about lining him up in the slot. I'm going to oh. really trust his instincts out deep. Um, and I don't mind him as a tackler when he needs to fill those lanes and be kind of my last line of defense. So he's, you know, the production on the interceptions is great, but it shows up on tape. This is a ball hawk. This is a guy who's around the ball a lot, overcomes his size by trying really hard, uh, playing with a high IQ and being ultra competitive and physical. And that's what it always comes back to with him. You know, he, he, he doesn't have the elite athleticism. He isn't yes. somebody who you look at and say, oh, wow, based on these numbers, you'd expect him to kill when he's in cover one, exactly. when he's back there just defending the deep middle. Um, he, he doesn't have the size either. He's five yep. ten, under 200 pounds. Uh, he's just not a great athlete, like as a prospect, but again, he's, he's so smart. He understands the game. And I think that that's something that gets looked over too often as safeties. You know, safeties are supposed to be your counter to the quarterback. They're the ones playing the mind games back and forth. You know, and I think I brought this up on here before, but you, you, there's the story of, I think it's Ed Reed and, uh, oh, yeah. Peyton Manning yeah. Peyton, and, yep. And, and Ed Reed all season um, when he's getting this look is running off to the right, defending this. So Peyton gives him the look. And then this time he reacts differently, breaks to the left, gets the pick. And they both say like, yeah, he did this like on purpose because he knew Peyton was going to be looking like those are the games. And that's the type of thing that you expect from an Antoine Winfield, you know, dad oh, in the yeah. NFL as cheesy as that sounds, but he doesn't have all the athleticism, but sometimes you don't need it if you know where to be. Well, think of so many of the highest paid safeties like uh, Adrian Amos or Justin Simmons. You know, they're not highly drafted guys who had all the measurables and, you know, size and speed and they come downhill and hit you like a Mack truck and they can cover sideline to side. No, it's the guys with high IQ and solid fundamentals because that's your last line of defense. That's what you want. You want a smart guy who's going to be a reliable tackler when it needs to be, is going to take the right angles to the ball. Because I'd much rather, okay, he didn't get there on time, but he got that tackle. It's only a 30-yard game. Then, oh, he overplays it, and now it's Raheem Moore all over again, and our season is over when we should have won a Super Bowl. Yep, and I think that's part of what makes Jeremy Chin such an intriguing prospect as well. Um, Coming out of Southern Illinois, the way that he just dominated FCS football. And again, he knew where to be. He was making all those plays. That shows the IQ. On top of that, he's fast and he is physical. And that's why he may just have all of the pieces at 6'3", 220 pounds Mm -hmm. with the mental, with the speed. I mean, he seems like he could be one of the great prospects. At the same time, he's coming out of an FCS school. And, And that is a risk and maybe some of these things don't translate maybe he just looks so much better because of the level of competition he was going up against and so he is one of those kind of boomer bust type of prospects exactly exactly yep and there's a lot of projection with him because he is fast he's got that size he's got the cover skills potentially he's got those skills to play closer to the line of scrimmage i've i've heard some people compare him even to isaiah simmons I think Simmons is just at a different level rushing the passer and playing around the line of scrimmage. That doesn't mean Chin can't get there. True. Very true. Um, you know, Grant Delpit. We haven't yeah. really dug into him in a while other than to say that he's been disappointing. Sure. Um, but in particular, the, the tackling's disappointing. Um, sure. You know, for somebody that is 
his with his build, with his athleticism, he should be able to get guys on the ground. Um, there were some mistakes in coverage. Um, yeah. People thought he was going to be a monster. I, th- I think was oh, sure. he was supposed to be one of those great defenders like the Isaiah Simmons, where he just takes away mm-hmm. a, a big part of the field, and you can kind of pick which part of the field you want that to be. Right. Um, where do you stand on Grant Delpit now? <sighs> Boy, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, and we have these just about every year. There's a couple guys who uh, you go off of that a tape from their second to last year and you're thinking oh yeah that's the top 15 pick and you go off the tape of their last season it's like eh, I'm, I'm not sure i'd use a third rounder on that mm-hmm. um and delta falls into that and delta has all the tools in the world and he yeah. has the we talk about traits he has the rarest trait you're looking for in a safety and that's range mm-hmm. he's got range he's got the upside with ball skills he's got the length he can you know line up and turn and run after guys and in 2018, he's coming downhill. He's fill, he's filling lanes. He's, you know, you, you're watching Devin White f- fly all over the field, and Delpit's impossible to miss because he's doing the same kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and yeah, he he fell off a little bit, and so that's going to be the thing is we're going to put him in a scheme where he's going to be the high safety, and we're going to figure out the best ways to use him. And I I don't I wouldn't trust him in a single high rate. Yeah. Yeah, because of the mistakes. But again, I mean, we're talking right. about a guy who was a unanimous All-American. Um, sure. He, he won the Jim Thorpe Award. That's the best defensive back in the country. So he does have those super, super high-level accolades that would imply being a perennial pro bowler, being an all-pro safety. But then you watch the tape, and it's like, uh, the, when you're a safety, you can't afford to be blowing assignments like this um, right especially in the roles that he would be a i mean he i think he'd be a plus player if you were to put him in the box if you were to ask him to do all those different things but but the the place he's supposed to be the generational talent is deep yeah yeah well, that's the other thing i he's got to get back to his old form and coming downhill and making plays there too because to play in the box you're gonna have to do that and that's where he was struggling so you know, that's two important areas of his game where he's, he's got some questions surrounding him and we got to figure that out. Yep. Um, how about Kyle Duggar? Another, another prospect from a small school, Lenore Ryan. Um, what do you think of him? (laughs) If Chin to me feels like a guy who the tools all are really intriguing and I like him in coverage for a 220 pound guy to get to be worthy of those Isaiah Simmons comps. He needs to be better around the line of scrimmage and against the run and what have you, uh, rushing the passer. Duggar's kind of the opposite. Duggar's big. He's, you know, he can line up deep, but then he's coming downhill like a freight train and making nice tackles. Um, he's got, he's really, he's a guy I would strongly consider moving to linebacker. Um, Cause he can mm-hmm. come downhill and be imposing and do all that and fill against the run. The question is, when he's tested against NFL athletes, what can I do with this guy really in coverage? That's going to be my question for him. Because, okay. yeah, there's, mo- there's some smoothness, though I think he's a little rigid in the hips. But there's, there's some range vertically to cover. Um, there's, you know, when, when things are in front of him, I believe he can cover a good amount of the field. What, what happens when he has to go backwards and run after uh, Tyreek Hill? 
And it, you know, if you're, if you're not back there, then you're leaving our corner on an Island and we're going to be in trouble. We're giving up a 60 yard bomb. That's mm-hmm. where the questions are going to be for me. But as a hybrid player who plays closer to the line, I like him a lot. Okay. Um, how about Terrell Burgess? Who's at the senior bowl with you? Uh, the safety from Utah. Interesting. Interesting. I know that he's been getting a little more media hype and, um, mm-hmm. Watching that Utah secondary, it's hard to it's hard to gauge who's really making everything work. Yeah, because they've got three NFL prospects between Jalen Johnson, Burgess, and Julian Blackman. Burgess is the more reliable and versatile of the three. Um, so while he lacks, I I don't see him flash as much as I'd like to really like pound the table and get you all amped up about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a guy who is kind of similar to Xavier McKinney. Uh, when you're, when you've got five DBs on the field and sub, he's going to be one of your five. He's going to be pretty reliable. He's going to be a solid tackler. He's going to be solid in, in coverage. I myself need to figure out what he does well. Cause like, <laughs> Blackman, his teammate, does comes downhill like a freight train. Can cover in the slot, can be lined up deep, can be in the box. His problem is when he's lined up deep, he's a disaster. He takes bad angles and he can get just play the ball poorly. So he's a bit of a liability there. So he's truly your Will Parks, Julian Blackman. Burgess okay. can do more, more of that McKinney stuff, but he flashes less. Okay. Um now we're getting into some more. Uh, you know, we talked Kayvon Walls. Um, Aloha Gilman, the safety from Notre Dame, another very smart player, um, yes. limited athletically, um, yep. a little bit undersized still, even though he is yep. a, a hitter. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he could be a fun prospect. He, rem- he reminds me of like, a, I don't know, almost like the John Lynch mold. Like, like he's almost your enforcer sure. type. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're talking about fourth round draft prospects, comparing them to John Lynch might be to a Hall of Famer. excessive. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I think he could be fun. And again, another one of those guys that just fits that role that the Broncos are trying to fill. And he could do yeah. it with maybe more physicality than totally. of these other options would. Because Will yeah. Parks isn't, he, he wasn't much of a hitter. You know, he had moments there, there are plays you think of like forcing the fumbles, that kind of stuff. Right. right, But things really had to be lined up perfectly for him to be making an overly physical play for a guy like a Gilman. Um, it's almost like, you know how, uh, there's those running backs, the little guys who just sometimes never get hit straight on, you know, like guy's going to snap in half a guy like a Gilman undoes that. He, he's the type who, like, it is so much easier for him to hit anybody. Like, the odds of him landing a big one are just so much larger. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And the thing about him to become John Lynch is he's got to show us he's got comparable IQ to a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's his IQ and coverage that's going to – because the other stuff, I trust him. And he's a guy who came in with a little more hype. You know, he's, he's been mm-hmm. a very solid starter for Notre Dame for a couple years now. Um, you put on the tape, he's flashing, he's making nice plays, but it's all close to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. It's back there. How much can I trust? How much is that IQ? How much is that eye discipline there to get him in the right spot and make up for not having elite athletes? And if he slips to 118, then you can probably say, you totally. know what? Our, our options are guys who are boomer bust, very high ceiling, mm-hmm. or you can take somebody like a Loey Gilman who... Yep. 
you know is going to be a special teams contributor and likely will would be able to sub in as your fifth defensive back, maybe even your sixth defensive back day one. Absolutely, man. And can be the beauty of safeties is all these guys are going to play special teams. Every one of them. Every one of Every them. Every single one of them. And, and be really good at it. Yeah, aside from maybe Delpit. You know, that's where <laughs> yeah. Delpit's profile <laughs> concerns you a little bit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I think we've talked through a lot of these guys, a lot of the yeah. guys that you have to know. Yeah. Um, but again, who are the day three guys who kind of pique your interest a little bit? Antoine Brooks of Maryland is going to be an intriguing one. Decent range in coverage. Um, You like him. J.R. Reed, who we've had questions before from Georgia. He's going to be that in-the-box guy. Is he mobile enough to be your Wilpox? That'll be the question with guys like him and Brandon Jones out of Texas. Both those guys come from nice programs, though. I'd be intrigued. Josh Medalis from Michigan. He's another hybrid guy like Shaheem Carter who could yep. kind of fit and make sense. And yeah. He's a guy I wanted to bring up. You know, he's, right. he's somebody who we haven't been all that high on. Right. But again, if you're looking for somebody to, f- to fill one role, and yeah. that role is kind of being, um, maybe even he's your, your third, or I guess he'd be your fourth linebacker in the 3-4 when you're going up against like 12 personnel. You know, maybe, maybe you have a quick trigger to nickel and he's that fifth defensive back you throw on in some situations when you aren't too worried about the running game just because he can make plays there. I don't know that you want him lined up against slot receivers all that mm-hmm. much. Right. Um, but if you wanted to go a little bit lighter, add a little bit of speed in a 3-4, maybe you take a Todd Davis off um, take, yeah, or, or my- take a D lineman off. You know, something like that. My only thing would be uh, Joe Jones is the name of that special teamers yeah. on the Bronco I always yep. like. Who's coming back another year? He's got like a prove it deal. It's like nothing guaranteed. What do any of these guys bring you more than what Joe Jones would bring in that hypothetical role? I like I like seeing a guy like Shaheem Carter on the edge a little bit more. Uh-huh. I, I like his ability to, if you wanted to blitz him, I like him better than Joe Jones getting into the backfield. Um, I I do like his coverage. I don't know that I like his coverage ability better. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, But, but I do think he could give you a little bit more of a presence on the edge because he's coming out of that star position. And if you guys are buffs fans, you've seen kind of what that is with Davion Taylor, but he's more of that type of prospect to me. Um, Except that with Davion, you say, Hey, he could probably drop back in coverage and hold his own. Whereas I have a, couple more questions about Shaheem Carter Mm -hmm. um, even close to the line of scrimmage but again that's why he's somebody you might be able to find in the seventh round the sixth round and and if you want to add depth you missed out on a bunch of the linebackers you like some of the safeties you like or or maybe you take a guy who has the range um, somebody who can play deep and you want somebody who's more of your close to the line of scrimmage guy you could be interested in taking a Shaheem Carter late right totally and the last name I'd throw out there for day three is Jordan Fuller of uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Solid safety, obviously surrounded by like elite defensive backs at Ohio State his whole career. Um, mm-hmm. A guy who one of the best gifts I've used of Noah Fant at Iowa is Fuller trying to carry him down the seam and Fant burns him for like a nice 40-yard touchdown. That's going to be the thing. Like he's a solid safety, but – when he's got to play one-on-one with a guy in the slot who's got four or five speed or better, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, Dude, it's hard to endorse someone like that, you know? 
Yeah. There's some significant development that needs to occur before I feel comfortable putting that guy on the field for anything more than like five spot snaps. Agreed. I think that's going to be the theme through a lot of uh, these these guys, you know, a lot of them are those hybrids, um, which means that you can play them early if you develop them to fulfill that role. Um, What do you remember off the top of your head? Hybrids or they're really versatile. I mean, it's the college football revolution. We're seeing Mm -hmm. it more in the NFL and we see it first and foremost in the draft with these kind of prospects. And, And again, would a team like the Broncos be willing to add a star position to their base defense. Right. You know, when you're going up against a, a two receiver set, would you be willing to, instead of going three, four, go uh, into your kind of nickel front, your two linebackers, and then your third guy's a hybrid safety who you're putting on the edge? You know, that, that's mean, what happened to every college football defense. Could it happen in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, essentially, Will Parks kind of became that in the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. They were, their base defense was a four-two-five with Will as that kind of hybrid uh, nickel corner. So, you know. It's uh, possible. I, yeah, it's was, possible. Was, was it's Parks a sixth-round pick? Sixth or seventh, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it took him a couple years to get into that oh, role. Sure. but Four years. His fourth year, he finally kind of found a niche. Yep. So I think if you find a guy in the third round, fourth round, then by the end of the season, they're your guy. And best case scenario, maybe you can be throwing them out there week one. And that's the thing is that that position is protected. And that's why you can put a young guy out there. You know, you like you were saying with the free safety, if that's your last line of defense and he gets torched, it's just over. But, but if you get beat five yards from the line of scrimmage, 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, maybe you give up a first down, but there's a bunch of guys coming to help you out and tackle and mitigate the damage. So good point. I don't know. Right. Uh, And as much as you're thinking, Oh, we really want that third corner. Yes. But what you should be thinking at large is what we really want is that fifth defensive back. Yep. And it could be Trayvon Diggs, just like it could be Kayvon Wallace. Mm-hmm. And there's, or, or Tanner Muse. Like there's a lot of different flavors of ice cream you can use to fit that one specific need. Yeah. And, and it could be that Vic Fangio envisions this defense being. Um, a little bit heavier, a little bit tackle oriented. In that case, maybe you use an early third round pick on this safety hybrid position and you use your fifth round pick on a cornerback prospect. Mm-hmm. If if they want to use a third cornerback instead of a third safety, then then you're looking at the the maybe uh Bryce Hall and maybe a Tanner Muse right. safety. Right. So yep. there's a bunch of different ways this could play out, and a lot of it's based on how Vic Fangio wants to build this defense. We've seen Vic Fangio's defense, but we've seen what he's had to do with the people he was given instead of when he gets to pick how it runs for himself. Um, Those are our cornerbacks and safeties. Uh, I think next time we're going to be talking about defensive linemen, edge rushers, uh, linebackers, basically all front seven. Um, And we'll be digging into all those guys for kind of the last time, which is weird to say, but, uh, we can still talk about them when we do a mock. So have exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, before we get into your questions, we are going to tell you about 
our friends at Davidson's. Um, Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits is a, a, an incredible local company. They yes. have two locations. Uh, one is in Centennial. One is in Highlands Ranch. You can't go inside either of them. But if you download the app, then you can order curbside deliver or curbside pickup. You can order delivery. Um, and the best part is, if you're doing this all through the app, they actually have a loyalty program, and so you can earn rewards. You can see special deals. Um, they have Breckenridge beers, which is important. Um, definitely, let us know if you do it yeah. too. Um, you know, we have a lot of people hit us up with all their. Uh, Breckenridge beers they drink, the strawberry skies they drink, or, uh, you know, when they go to Blake street tavern, um, right. But, but right. hit us up when you go to Davidson's, let us know what you got because we all have our own go-tos. I've started making margaritas. I, I'm actually like, Get I, out. no, I'm actually good at making margaritas now. Stop it. It's such a cool thing. Like before I was terrible at any of it. Like I had to buy a white claw. And even then I felt like if I was the one who like opened it, I'd probably screw something up. And <laughs> bad. But, but no, like uh, there are two different kinds of margarita mix uh, I got. Hey. I think one is like pineapple and one is strawberry. And uh, yeah. Wow. I know. It's, it's I was going to say never changed, but you have already. You're an expert margarita maker now. Yep. Wow. I'm going to learn how to make a food soon too. Oh my gosh. I've been living off of sandwiches. Hey, nothing wrong with sandwiches. No, they're really good. Yep. Some, uh, I've been eating a lot of pastrami recently. Ooh, okay. Yeah. okay. Also, I've just been sipping on my uh, coffee and uh, Kool-Aid. Oh <laughs> that's, that's been my go-to oh this my morning. coffee and kool-aid yeah um, when he says sipping on coffee he just has a massive jug of cold brew he's sipping on <laughs> because i finished like my first one during that draft yeah. yeah what is oh this oh my gosh 48 fluid ounces Jeez. and then i also have a bronco stadium cup um like Beautiful. the real which which i think is about as big as the coffee thing and that's just my grape kool-aid wow yeah, um, we're living large actually, here. You might be healthier drinking margaritas right now. <laughs> Instead of cooling <laughs> coffee. I know, my heart is just racing. Because when did we start? We, we did that draft thing like three hours ago. I jumped on the call. I've just been pounding coffee and Kool-Aid yep. ever since. Haven't eaten any food today. Whew. <sighs> I'm not going to be happy with myself later. Oh, boy. Yeah. I want to talk home. about football again, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Before right. you have to go work from the toilet, let's talk a little more football. How oh, is that what's going to happen? I've I've just kind of been curious this whole time. Like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like, what yeah. what are people trying to avoid when they decide not to just drink three big cups of coffee and a two big cups of Kool Aid? You know, like everybody knows not to, but I don't think anybody knows what they're running from. No, they know. It's like an it's like a pit in your stomach and just feeling like that's where that came from. Hangry and like not well. That's oh, that's wow. how you'll feel. Yeah. So I'm gonna be hangry. Thanks for the heads up though. I appreciate that. You got it, man. Um <laughs> all right. Let's jump into these questions and comments. Yeah, we'll start with Elway for Prez at the bottom. Elway for Prez says Oh, he says a lot. I'm excited. A lot, uh, yes. Love your work, fellas, and very much appreciate the entertainment when it's needed most. Well, we appreciate you for giving us questions because they entertain us and we need that. Yeah, um, for sure. 
Tackles and wide receivers. This pod routinely talks about the top tiers of receivers and tackles as if they're interchangeable. But we all know the whiff rate of first-rounders is near 50%, so half the guys identified as acceptable targets will fail, especially when we're targeting needs. So let's roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty, and separate the trash from the treasures. Oh, I'm excited. Let's do it. Um, I want to know which specific tackles and receivers you like in the top two tiers and who we should pass on. Tier one tackles, Worfs, Wills, Becton, Thomas. Please rank these four with appropriate tier gaps. And tier one receivers, Judy and Lamb and Ruggs. No need to focus on this tier. You've already stated your preference. Yes, we have. And now let's really put your feet to the fire. Please rank the second tier of receivers and tackles. Which of these guys do you think are going to pan out and who is going to fail? Mims, Jefferson, Ayuk, Rager, Higgins, Visca. We can't group them all together as if they'll all pan out. Half of them will fail. Ooh, we get to pick our failures. Um, and the tier two tackles, Jones, Jackson, Cleveland, Wilson, Yang, Prince Tegawanagu. I love that he gets his full name. It's such a great name. He deserved yep. it. Um, yep. Pert, it's likely only two or three of these guys will get a second contract from the team that drafted them. Which ones? As we know, tiers make sense pre-draft, but post-draft, it's about the individuals. Think Bowles and Ramchick, or Cody Latimer and Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson or Jarvis Landry. All in the same tier before the draft, but not so much after. I'd like to see you guys plant your flag within the tiers and identify within our primary positions of need who you'd like to see us come out with and who we shouldn't touch. Who will get a second contract at this point should be the litmus test of a successful pick in days one and two. Stay safe, boys. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, all very good points. And I'll just let you know, I do rank them in tiers and... This is just an odd year where we have a lot of guys from both these positions in top tiers with first-round grades. Yep, yep. And, I mean, there's a reason they're so close is that we don't know who's going to work out and who won't. And, again, a lot of that depends on the team they go to. You know, Josh Rosen did not pan out. If Josh Rosen was put in a better situation, would he have turned into a better quarterback? I would argue that yes. Um, I think that a lot of busts... um, like it's it's almost put on the prospect that that they busted, but I think more of the responsibility for any bust goes to the team and the coaching staff. Um, and so I want to throw that caveat in with everything I'm about to say when I pick yeah. which guys are going to bust. So essentially, he's saying that fifty percent of these guys are going to fail, and sure, we pick fair. from each tier. So let's start with the tackles. Which two out of Worfs, Wills, Beckton, and Thomas do you think will not pan out? If you had to pick two. So I could very easily see Wills not panning out at tackle, especially yep. left tackle. Yep. Um, just and because I think that's the easiest right. place to go. Right, exactly. Then Becton Wirfs are the high upside. They're the boomer bust guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think Becton's floor is higher than Wirfs. See, I was going to say Wirfs is floor is higher because he could okay. play other positions okay yeah i guess that's a good point and, and again might be too sloppy to play anywhere other than tackle and what mace was saying earlier today about him his body just might not be able to hold up to playing nfl football while carrying 364 pounds so sure, i think sure, if, sure. if you were to pick the two who don't pan out i think wills and becton um they they have some very big bust potential um the, the biggest, the two biggest bust potentials mm-hmm. of those four. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you were to rank the order you draft those four, which order would you put them? I would go Becton, Wirfs, 
Thomas will. <laughs> That's the yep. other thing, right? Is I, I just told you earlier in the show, what ties go to the higher upside guys. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna gamble on boomer bust guys, and sometimes they'll they'll boom, sometimes they'll bust. The other guys who might be safer don't have as much boom potential. Yep. So the Still pick I- might look good, but it's not gonna look phenomenal or genius. And again, we're saying that we think that these two have the highest bus potential. I just went on my rant about how I think it's the teams that are re- responsible for m- most busts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why when we say Becton probably is in as one of the higher levels of bus potential out of these four, but also he's going to work with Mike Munchik and Pat Shermer. I think right. so for the Broncos, you're mitigating some of that. Yeah, you're exactly. definitely mitigating some of that. That's another um, part of it. Let's go to the receivers now. Uh, you said we don't have to do it. Um, no tier one necessary, right? Yep, yeah, but I, th- I think we I, – I'm flipping it. I'm putting Judy ahead of Lamb now. That was a change that happened. Before. Oh, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'd go Judy, Lamb, Ruggs. Um, if we say one bust, I'd say it's Ruggs. If we say two bust, I'd say it's Lamb and Ruggs. Yeah, I think it's – if I have to say two busts, it's Ruggs and Judy. Okay. Yeah, Judy. Yeah. I don't know why we're not talking about the drops enough with Judy. Okay. Or the I, lack yep. of a ton of special uh, catches on tape. Uh, yeah, I just think that the route run, he is going to get open so many times. I saw one clip yesterday on Twitter when I was just scrolling. It's him doing a fake throw-by move. Uh-huh. And so And so basically, he, he runs upfield, grabs the defender, throws him by, the defender thinks that because he's throwing him, he's going to run past him that way. So he turns his hips and goes that way. But he isn't actually trying to throw him by. He's trying to make him think he's throwing by, breaks inside, and the uh, corner breaks outside. And he's just butt naked open. And it's just beautiful. Like, like it's like watching, remember the DeMarcus Ware fake spin move? Like yeah. Joe Staley? yeah. It's that exact same thing, except instead of spinning he's just like grabbing him and pushing him one way and then running that same way yeah it's like he's that, got all the nuance to his game in it's those areas beautiful it's impressive yeah. that that would beat all but five cornerbacks in the league right and it's those, why we're so high on all three really because <laughs> even rugs i've told you he's will fuller with better hands will fuller with better hands who never yeah. gets injured is like a top 10 receiver in the nfl <laughs> yes yes it's perfect so, okay um where did we go from here? So tier one, two, so two. Second tiers. Oh, yeah. Second tier of tackles. So um, let's start with the tackles. Yeah. You have Josh Jones. You have Austin Jackson. You have uh, Ezra Cleveland. Um, let's see. Wilson. Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucas Niang. Prince Tegawanagu. Matthew Pert. Um, okay. So correction oh. here. Matthew Pert doesn't be- belong in the second tier. Okay. You, uh, sorry, sorry, Elway for Prez. I'm putting your feet to the fire. Oh, you put um, his feet in the fire. That's, that's right. It's <laughs> Shadiq Charles is the second tier okay. offensive tackle. You're missing the left tackle from LSU. Take Pert out of there. Goodbye. In Dre's tears. Yes. <laughs> so in your tears, they might still be fun. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. He says two or three of these guys get a second contract. Um, so. This is picking but again, the two I or three best that come out. In okay. a normal year, that would be true. In a year where a lot of these guys we just listed off from the second tier would actually go higher than a lot of the tackles that were the first tackles taken 
in their classes or when in the first round, Colt Miller's, uh, Garrett Bowles, I think of Caleb McGarry, who went late mm-hmm. first last year. I would take all these guys higher than them. And that's not based on what they've done at the NFL. It's based off of my rankings and how I rank those other ones. That's Let's good just to say, know. There is variance from year to year, and some classes will be stronger than others. I'm just putting that out. Okay, so we say this is a stronger. So let's let's actually start with that first exercise. Again, half of players bust. Let's pick the five players you would expect most likely to bust. If you had to In put money second down. tier. Yep. So let's see. So there are the second tier of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players. Yep. Um, I'm gonna pick three or four to bust. Me too. I'm going to rank them, and then I'm going to pick three or four to bust. Okay. Ranked, I have Josh Jones as the safest prospect with also the best pass pro ability. He's the Mm -hmm. top. Ezra Cleveland, otherworldly athleticism and really good tape against high-end competition. He's next. Then it's Lucas Niang, the right tackle from TCU. Austin Jackson, massive upside, massive boomer bust. Agreed. Prince Tegawanagu, similar. Shadik Charles, similar, and Isaiah Wilson. Very, very boomer bust. Mm-hmm. So that's how I rank them. And the lowest ranked guys are the guys I think will fail the most. Definitely Wilson. He's a right tackle. He can get sloppy. He could be a really solid guy who makes like 10 mil a year on his second contract and makes like Juwan James money. He could also be out of the league. Um, Shadik Charles, he's going to be athletic, but very he, big he dropout. Austin Jackson might be there too. I agree. And I thought it was going to be a hot take when I said it because, yeah. you know, he does have the versatility. Um, you know, if, if he fails at left tackle, you can try him at right tackle or at guard. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he's one of those guys where if he does bust, it's going to be a long out. It's going to be six years of team saying, hey, this guy was a second round pick. We think we can get it out of him um, by trying all these different things. And so there is that aspect that makes it hard to say he is going to bust. But if we're saying which team gets another contract with his first team, I think he's very much up in that conversation because we just, I still feel like I'm not seeing all that. Totally. You wanted you wanted him to be better at USC. He should be he should be changing the game in the Pac-12 if he's this high a caliber of an offensive lineman. Right. Well, and I think he'll struggle early on in his career. We know when guys struggle early on, sometimes they can never get it back. And the guys already struggled. Their with head. Bradley Bradley and I and AJ Epinesa. Could he struggle in the NFL? Yes. And could that derail his career? It certainly could. And then again, if, if that gets in his head and he lets it derail him, that happens. But depends on the coaching will, staff. Is Mike Munchak going to though, keep his head high? Is he going to be, right, you know, there's, right, there's all these exactly. other factors that go into letting that spiral. Exactly. And if you have a good coaching staff, the odds are shifted. So it isn't just like, will these prospects end up good or not? It's will they be turned into something good by the coaches right. they work with? I will say guys like Tyson Bryler and George Fant, even Jermaine Effetti, mm-hmm. who haven't worked out, they've still got very fairly lucrative for their performance second contract. So you never know. There's such a like lack of offensive tackle talent that w- we could see that. Too, so. Okay, yeah. wide receivers. Oh, yeah, receivers. Um, okay, so here we go. Here's the list. Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, and, of course, Visca. Um, let's start here. Add Chase Claypool to that mix if you want. Oh yeah. Let's add Chase Claypool too. Um, how many does that give us? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Awesome. We made an odd number. Um, 
let's say uh, three or four of them bust. Oh, I let's think, add Pittman too. To oh, let's the, add Pittman too. There we go. Eight. eight. Four bust. Um, I'd say you have to say if Visca, we're picking absolutely. four, Visca, it has to be yes, um, just yes. because the injuries are the risk. And again, it, he also has the highest upside in the draft, and that's why he's still higher on my board than a lot of these guys, even though he does have the exactly. highest bust potential. And I think exactly. the Broncos can afford it. You run it back with – or you have to take another receiver two years from now because you've been patching that hole with Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton because Visca hasn't figured it out. I don't think that's a worst-case scenario. You know um, who hit on a bunch of – boomer bust type prospects and just won a super bowl is the kansas city chiefs yep chris jones boomer bust as they come patrick mahomes boomer bust as they come mm-hmm. you know that took some real character risks on guys like uh tyreek hill and kareem hunt and mm-hmm. those hit for him like and then even kareem hunt it flamed out the end but that was a big part of them building to what they had right like they right. they got that momentum from him and he obviously contributed and all that stuff. Right. So there is value in taking boomer bust guys because when they boom, they boom and can be like one of the best offensive or defensive players in the league. Yep. Um, so, and know, and even with their free agent signings, Tyron Matthew, right. you know, that turned out to be a great signing, even though there were some question marks still, totally. they gave him the big contract Good point. and he lived up to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Visca has to be if you're saying these four if yeah. four of these guys bust, you got to say he's one of them. Easily have to be for me. Yep. Um, There's two of them. Yeah. When you look at these top guys with Mims, Jefferson, Ayuk, um, I think Ayuk does something for every team. He he he's so he does so many different things well, and yeah, that he's does at least a returner, right? Exactly. Like yeah. if if you. It could be that none of his skills are good enough to push him over the top. Like, he's just one of those guys that's well-rounded. But he does seem like he's a good enough route runner. He isn't Henry Ruggs fast. He isn't, like, Perfect. testing like that. But but he is a very fast receiver. Perfect. He plays fast. Um, I, I think Gets yep, open. Yep. Exactly. And, and so I think that he probably pans out. Um, Jalen Rager scares me a little bit more because he yeah. is more the speed type. But again, he yeah. makes some of those plays, um, those those jump ball type plays that you don't expect a little guy. Jefferson's the safest. Yeah. I would say of this group. You can throw him in the slot. Mims checks off enough boxes. I wouldn't say he's safe, but I think he's up there. Pittman to me mm-hmm. feels really safe. Oh, okay. And then again, cool. because he's a red zone threat, he's right. he's your big guy and maybe – Maybe he winds up being a Tim Patrick instead of being a... Uh, um, I could see him being like, maybe he's an Eric Decker instead of like okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. the next DeAndre Hopkins. But mm-hmm. most states, you know, in the right offense, Decker's a, a good player. Exactly. So it really comes down to we've picked Visca and Claypool and that's a matter of how you use them and the boomer bust. It's really, is Higgins the guy we trust more? Is Ayuk or is it Rhaegar? I really trust T Higgins. I think that he has been such an important piece to a very good offense. Um, I I think that I like him maybe not as a prospect better than that Mims, Jefferson, Ayuk, those, those first round guys. But I, I really do think that he at the very least is going to be a receiver who contributes to a team. So I think you're saying Jalen Rhaegar's the guy you're, I think so. Taking as your third bust here. I think I am. Uh huh. This This is a clay pool. I think if I were to rank all these guys, great exercise. Yeah, I think I would take 
I think I take Mims before Jefferson. Uh-huh. That's still very much debatable. Um, uh-huh. I think I'd take T. Higgins ahead of Ayuk. And I think I'd take Visca ahead of Ayuk too. And I like Ayuk. I just think that this is a really good group of receivers. So give no, me. Same. I think I take Claypool in front of Ayuk. I think I'd put him just after, but ahead of ahead of Rager. So I would go Mims, Jefferson, Higgins, Visca, Ayuk, Rager. Or Visca, Ayuk, Claypool, Rager. And I have um Jefferson, Mims, Visca, Higgins, Pittman, Claypool, Ayuk, Rager. Yep. I can put Pittman um He's he's competing with Claypool to me. I'd put him ahead of Claypool, I think. Ah, maybe behind Claypool. And then that's a tough one. The beauty is I still have Brian Edwards, KJ Hamler, Peoples Jones, KJ Hill, Gandy Golden, Gabe Jefferson, Gabe Davis. And I'm really high on Brian Edwards. It's it might go it might go (laughs) wow. I think Duvernay, Antonio Gibson, like it it goes on and on and on. So we're not playing. This is a stout wide receiver class guys. And just to close it out, I did have Ramchek in a different tier from Bulls. So just, all right. Yeah, this is, (laughs) that was a fun question. I I can pull up that board. This was a phenomenal question. Thank you so much. Elway for Perez. (laughs) All right. Broncos 419 says, Hey guys, love what you're doing as this is one of the most exciting times of the year for myself and many other fans. I love draft time and dreaming of my top scenarios and thinking about all the possibilities, not just for the Broncos, but every team being a lifelong diehard Broncos fan living in Toledo, Ohio. It's the same for me when it comes to my Michigan Wolverines. That being said, I'd like to know, what you guys think about possibly taking Donovan Peoples-Jones with a mid-round pick. He's a guy who could have been in that last year, close to that last year. Totally. Um, with a mid-round pick. I think if we are able to get Ruggs in the first, he would be a nice compliment to Ruggs and Sutton. Coming out of high school, there were a lot of websites that had him ranked as the number one receiver coming out. Unfortunately, he suffered the same problem Sutton suffered when he had Joe Flacco as we were stuck with good old Shea Patterson at quarterback and all of us Michigan fans know how well that went. Love to know what you guys think. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the many more pods the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think we easily could have included Peoples Jones in that last conversation. He is in that tier to me. Right in that mix. He's going to be a little more boomer busty though, right? Because uh, that, that lack of production at Michigan, mm-hmm. even though we all know a big part of it was just a terrible passing offense. It wasn't just him. They have Nico Collins opposite of him was a great young wide receiver as well. He'll be a high pick in next year's draft. Um, yep. and Peoples-Jones, we saw it. He tested off the charts at the combine. The, the potential's endless, but, you know, we'll see. He's a big body, and he's got the speed. So I agree. He could fit next to Sutton, even next to Ruggs. Um, he'd definitely be one of those guys I would target as that second wide receiver pick here. Yeah, and, and to me... <sighs> I think that there's the question marks come from um, the more refined parts of the game. Yeah. Um, And that's all stuff that you hope you can coach up. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is whether he's capable, you know, you need to see a little bit better route running. For example, you need to see him get off the line of scrimmage. And it's all those, those details where you know that he has the athleticism that he can compete with NFL cornerbacks. But when those NFL cornerbacks also know what they're doing and and have refined all of those parts of their game, can he keep up and still compete when you factor in like 
football ability on top right. of actual just like what you are as a human being and how you were built. Um, and, and so all, all of those like little things, the, the shiftiness, the route running, can, can he pick up yards after the catch? I think is a question. I think if you have him running in a straight line and hit him in stride and he's getting a field, like sure. But if he has to make a guy miss, can he do that? I, I don't know. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. yeah just a lot of unknowns because he wasn't really tested all that much. And, and because of the production, because if, you know, if, if he'd been a 1,500-yard receiver, then we would have seen him over and over again in all these situations. So you could say, hey, look, there he is shaking a guy out of his shoes because it right. happened. But because there's no production, that that's the risk there. Um, yep, total. Yeah, put him on Penn State or Baylor or Oregon or something and widespread offense, yeah. And the production's totally different, right? We're having a completely different conversation. because we get to see him with the ball in his hands more. We get to see what he did to get open. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, I think that that's scary. I don't know. Um, but still pretty high on him. He's a guy whose upside I would gamble on uh, pretty early on. I'll, 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 he'll be right around the second or third round grade for me. So yep. I'm projecting him as a future starter in the NFL. And I, and I think that he grade. could... I think that he could fit at receiver. He likely wouldn't be the first receiver the Broncos took, um, would be my guess. But I don't think, you know, you might be a little bit big if you get like a CD lamb in the first round. But I think that he's a diverse enough talent that you could get him to fit in with whoever your first receiver is. I don't think that it's dependent on drafting Henry Ruggs in the first round. Right. Right. I don't know. Uh, There are a bunch of thoughts there. Um, But... Let's jump ahead to Minnesota. Paul, oh, you have more? If they had to go, say they go Becton and then round two, they get one of those corners we talked about. Yep. I'm not sad if they end up with Peoples Jones and KJ Hill yeah. with two of their three round three picks. Yeah, definitely. Like, that's pretty solid. I'll take I, that. I totally agreed. Yeah. Um, or even if you wind up with a. You know, T. Higgins, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, I think is possible. Chase Claypool, again, he brings the diversity of being somebody that you could have do different things. And you're really big, but you have enough. Like, I think that there's potential you could get it, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, into the slot. I think that if you worked him there really hard, you could develop him into that. And I don't know if that's the most natural fit, but I, mean, I think that he has the tools. Slot. Yeah. Clay, that's where Claypool would fit. That's where Jefferson mm-hmm. would fit. That's where Visca could play some snaps. There's a bunch of guys you could kind of utilize that way, even though they're not super conventional in that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah, right. he doesn't. I feel like Denzel Mims might even handcuff you a little bit more than uh, a uh, dumb people Jones does. I don't know. Uh, we we can move along. Um, Minnesota Paul says, hey, guys, thanks for answering my questions about the draft. It made me laugh picturing Ben Barch running hurdles in his track days, but I can confirm he was definitely a thrower. That's the intel we need. Truly. Go look up the Ben Barch photos of what he looked like as a freshman and what he looked like as a senior. Like (laughs) every year he just gets more like – grimy and badass it's it's fantastic oh we're gonna have to do that st john's is just a little you know a little high school kid and he ended up as like a baller (laughs) all right last question the big tabowski says hey guys loved hearing you talk about the raptors and rugby a team of fullbacks certainly made me laugh i'm a huge rugby fan and played lots but alas it has destroyed my left shoulder i could see that i'm up to 39 dislocations now and two operations and still not sorted what really annoyed me though is it has stopped me trying to play american football which i have never played competitively bummer 
Yeah. yeah, I could see that though. If you're constantly using that shoulder as like a Dude, weapon almost. For sure. Ugh. Uh, anyhow, what I wanted to say was that I got into American football through rugby, really, and converted a few rugby fans into football over here, equating our game with yours. So to summarize what rugby is, imagine a football game where there were no downs or chains, no pads or helmets, and no forward passes allowed. Mm-hmm. And the play doesn't stop when you're tackled like in football. It stops if the ball goes off the field, a foul is committed, or a team scores. But otherwise, it is pretty much nonstop. So they need to be a lot fitter than football players and more rounded. Yeah. It is essentially a game of laterals, but we call that a pass in rugby. I could go on, but if anyone seriously wants to get into rugby, I can explain in a lot more detail. Next week's lesson, equating cricket to baseball. Just kidding. Not sure you guys over there are ready for that yet, but it's the second best sport on the planet. Winky emoji. Keep up the great work and roll on the draft. Definitely not ready for cricket. We'll Definitely. talk about that in May when we're done with this. <laughs> yeah, baseball season. When, yeah. when we're missing out on baseball, that's when we can right. jump back in. But yeah, hit Big Tabowski up. Big Tabowski, go hit up the Raptors page and uh, collab with them. Send some questions in. Listen to those pods. All of you join us for those watch parties on that because watching rugby has been a blast too. It has been a blast. Again, Colton Strickler does a great job at DNVR yeah, Raptors. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right. I think that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions or comments or just random thoughts, send them in. Uh, put them in the comment section of the post for today's show at thednvr.com, and we will get to those next time we record. I think Thursday or Friday, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll I think we have it in the schedule one. for Friday. Yeah. Friday. Perfect. Uh, talking about defensive linemen, linebackers, Beautiful. edge rushers, um, and then whatever else comes up between now and then. And your questions, as always, uh, appreciate all of those. We will see you then. Sit on the